Welcome to Sports Lounge Live, a weekly talk show covering baseball. I don't believe what I just saw. Basketball. Believe it, Cleveland. The Cavaliers are NBA champions. Football. Got it at the five and into the end zone. Touchdown. Hockey. NASCAR. Green flag waves again at the World Center of Racing. Plus the latest sports news, both pro and college. Hear past talk shows on your phone by calling 773-572-3006. Or as a podcast on your iPhone, Victor Stream or computer, or on your smart speaker. Visit legendoldies.com for links to automatically connect via your computer or iPhone. Call the sports aficionados at area code 646-876-9923 and enter the pin 287-723-4600, followed by the pound key twice. And now, your hosts, Chris Devon, Perry Lester, Sean Platts, Robert Herrick, and Bill Sparks. Good December afternoon. It is uh, December 13th on a fine Tuesday afternoon. It's cold, windy, and rainy in the middle part of the country. We would not be playing baseball if there were baseball today. It's raining really hard. This is show number 224, though, of Sports Lounge Live. And we have some interesting things to go. Maybe not the number of sports to get to as we typically do, but some interesting stuff to go. So, Chris, what are we going to be covering? All right. Well, you know, yeah, the rain and wind is headed this way. We're going to have a nor'easter. You can't have a nor'easter there. That's one thing you can't do because you're not no. there. But we're going to have that on Friday. Anyway, so our, we're going to do our panel, of course, and then we're going to do the NFL. Then we're going to do college sports. And the reason we're doing college, well, there was a big story, a bigger story than we expected, but we'll do that. But also, um, the, the final segment of the show is going to be baseball because it's going to lead into a nice interview that was done with Pat Hughes when he was named the Ford for award winner on uh, last week so um, that's something you're going to want to stay stay tuned for so even pierre won't leave because he's a cubs fan so that that'll be good so uh and we also have we can give you the soccer final argentina beat croatia three nothing three nil i should say so therefore croatia moves on to the finals against uh morocco yeah. or france argentina, argentina, moves argentina moves on against morocco <laughs> or france yeah. to, on saturday i guess it's going to play that no, so they play on sunday they play on sunday croatia plays the loser on saturday okay that's right okay so Morocco and France tomorrow. And uh, so anyway, Patriots won again. They beat the teams they're supposed to beat. They don't beat the teams they're not supposed to beat. They got some help last night because Kyler Murray went out with a hamstring, uh, not hamstring, a, a, an ACL. Uh, so he's going to be out. I think, I don't know whether they think that could be the whole of even into next, well into next year, maybe. because it's yeah. year enough, it, When it know? came across earlier, they said it kind of depended on how the surgery goes and all that. Right. So, and he was off to a, a you know, he'd only, they'd had three plays and he got hurt but then Ramondre Stevenson got hurt and, and you know um, uh, Parker Devontae Parker got hurt so they were dropping like flies I would say there were more injury stoppages in that game than in uh, seven or so in the first half at least for both teams uh, so anyway the Bruins are doing okay they they avenged their loss to Las Vegas and they beat Colorado but they did lose to Arizona and lost that long winning streak that they had against them right at the end of the, the game Celtics uh, off to a good start on that road trip but they got blown out by the Warriors and the Clippers they played the Lakers tonight but still you're looking at the perspective of it in a western partially western trip if you go four and two that's okay they've got a long homestand when they come back they're, they're here through the end of the year so, so new year's day the bruins have a nice long one coming up too this is what the nba and the nhl are doing this year they they are uh, you know having longer road trips and homestands stuff so a lot more like baseball and of course later we'll be talking about the loss of xander bogarts around here and uh, how the red sox really you know cheapened up on that and didn't really go for him but the, the kind of the unsung story of the week here is the death of paul silas he was uh, 
uh, a guy who put the Celtics over the over the hump to win the championships in the Cowan Havlicek era because they needed the rebounding uh, to uh, counteract the Busher in particular for the Knicks. And uh, he uh, I'll tell you a little about him. A mini, uh, not a whole uh, obituary, but a mini obituary. He played for with Creighton from '61 through '64. He, he record for the most rebound for a three-year player. Of course, that's when the players used to play with three years. Then he uh, went to St. Louis and Atlanta Hawks from '64 through '69. Phoenix '69 to '72. Celtics '72 uh, through '76. Then Denver for a year. Then Seattle, where he <laughs> never won another title. 77 through 80, uh, and then so he won three championships, Celtics 74 and 76, Seattle 79, and uh, the reason the Celtics got him was uh, they had the rights to Charlie, the NBA rights to Charlie Scott, and he had a deal with Phoenix. That's how they got uh, him, and then the Celtics ended up getting Scott later on themselves uh, for trading Paul Westfall. Uh, so the, and then uh, there he was uh, also a uh, head coach for a long time. He was LeBron's first head coach. He coached the Clippers 79 and 80. He was an assistant in, in, in the round here. Charlotte, New Orleans, Hornets, and then the Cleveland Cavaliers, 03, 05, 05, and then, uh, as I say, uh, first coach, and then he went on and coached the Bob, Charlotte Bobcats, 10 to 12, and his son, Steve, son Stephen is the head coach of Houston. So, uh, you know, and he supposedly was a really nice guy, and the guy, if they were saying, Bob Ryan had an article, he said, if there was something that the team needed, like a day off during the playoffs, or, you know, too many practice, you know, go to Heinsohn and talk to him, it would be, Char- you know, uh, Silas that they send, not Collins or Havlicek, be uh, you know, Silas, because he had such respect for everybody, and they respected him. So he was a great teammate and did put the Celtics over the hump as much as anybody to win those championships. Okay, Rick? Okay, yeah, he was he was a great rebounder. Um, we got our first real cold streak here, and it's, you know, we had Saturday night, we had like just like an inch of snow, but we're hitting days where in the day it gets to like 35, 38 degrees, just enough to melt just a little bit of it, and then at night it gets under freezing, and of course it freezes to ice. So, in fact, just before I come on here, I was out tomorrow's uh, trash pickup day. I was pushing out the, the carts on the wheels to the front of the house, and I have to go up my driveway, which is uphill, and it was ice. And oh, it's just a reminder of what's coming all year. It's just, I, I don't mind the snow, but the ice is just, it's perilous. Is and it speaking me of ice, is, is it more windy all the time than it used to be? Is it just me, or does it seem like it's always windy? I think it's always been pretty windy around here. You know, I mean, you know, I remember them talking a few years back about how they call Chicago the windy city, but they oh, did no. a survey and, and that Boston was a lot windier than Chicago. That's correct. Yeah. And um, speaking of ice, the, the Giants may be on thin ice here. They're coming back to reality. They, um, they, they got blown out Sunday. Um, but um, they got a break with Seattle losing, so that helped. They got a big game coming up Sunday night. This could tell the story. And um, although Seattle should lose again this week, so they, they may be clear with them. But you got to watch out for the Lions coming up on the outside. They're, they're playing real good ball right now. Um, and just so the NFL, last, I don't mean to bring this up, Robert. Um, stay away from any shop objects. But last, last Thursday night game, when did, when did the NFL start running repeats? Because that was the same game as Monday night. Both right. Both games, you know, both games. The home team was behind sixteen to three with like four minutes left, and the and the home team ended up winning the game right at the end. That was strange. Yeah, thank you, Rick. Yeah. <laughs> We've been watching Robert all week. We've been watching good, Robert good. since Thursday, making sure he's okay. <laughs> good. Okay, on to you, Perry. Well, it's cold and windy and rainy here. I mean, it's it's 35 degrees and winds are probably 40 miles an hour. So, I mean, it's not snowing, but it's rain. And when it's that cold, it's that's cold anyway. When it's even if it is rain, but you're right. Then when it drops below freezing at night, Rick, when it, it that ice that that's worse than any amount of snow you can get in yep. a lot of ways. 
But uh, not much going on here in Iowa. The, the basketball season, the colleges, they're kind of on hiatus this week. You know, finals are going on. Um, so not much there. Um, the Rams did get a win last Thursday night. Sorry to keep bringing that up, Robert, but it, it happened. And, uh, um, you know, the, the Vikings, some people are starting to get a little bit concerned about the Vikings, you know, with the Lions beating them. And it's like, are the Vikings really as, as good as they as they thought they were? So we will see if that's, you know, what they do. But the Vikings are not out of the running for that number two seed, even and the 49ers, among other teams and all that stuff will play itself out over the next four weeks. But let's go to Indianapolis. And I'll bet with this kind of weather bill that we're getting in the middle of the country. I'll bet you wish you were in Naples. Yes, I do. And it will be soon <laughs> enough. But uh, all I can say is I believe the Vikings will get well with the Colts on Saturday. You know, something I've been watching, I am an AM, FM radio watcher. For the last two or three weeks, the Colts have not been on the fan. They've transferred it to, well, this station's been carrying them also. Hank FM 97.1. Something might wonder, well, who knows what's going on, why they're, maybe their signals are too weak on the translators, they're not getting the listeners, and who knows what's going on. But that's what I'm watching, and I'm sticking to that. Everything else is fine. Robert, take it away. Oh, Bill, before we go to Robert, you might want to just briefly tell oh, us Oh, I forgot about that. We are going to be doing an All Things Radio special. It's time when we have fun. Jeff is going to be gone. We, uh, <laughs> so we can relax a little bit and laugh and have a good time. So... I actually might show up for that. There you go, Robert. Not this, not this week. We'll do a regular show, but out of the series, we did it last year, and I'm going to do a Christmas special for the All Things Radio listeners, so you can call in, talk about radio, and not be hung up on, or whatever. <laughs> you, you can the have a good Christmas time. Party. Yeah, yeah, the Legend Christmas, Christmas Party. Yeah, the Christmas Party. That's what we can call it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. so join yeah. us at 6 o'clock on... December 22nd. Second, yes. Yes. Yeah. So we will, Jeff is giving me a hard time. Well, I need my two weeks. I, I said, Jeff, I do this six or seven days a week usually. Really? And <laughs> so, well, you'll get burnt. No, Jeff, I've been doing it for 18 years, so I'm not too worried about it. <laughs> so anyway, but go enjoy that. All right, Robert, take it away. Well, um, uh, contrary to popular belief, I have not been on suicide watch since Thursday. <laughs> um, I, unfortunately, I'm used to the Raiders doing this this year, and I honestly don't know what the answer is. Um, but uh, I, speaking of radio, I wasn't going to bring this up, but it's interesting listening to a new city get exposed to professional sports and how it works on a full-time basis. And I'm talking about Las Vegas. Those of us that have been Raider fans, uh, we're, we're used to the up and downs throughout the Oakland years and the L.A. years, back to Oakland. We're used to how the Raiders do things. People in Las Vegas, they're uh, they're not used to this. And uh, uh, the phone lines are pretty panicky these days. Uh, so it, it's kind of interesting to see new people get exposed to what we Raider fans who have been following them for over 50 years uh, have been dealing with. But uh, 
The other part of it, Robert, is they got a, a real baptism of uh, smoothness, cream, with the Golden Knight the first year going to the Stanley yes. Cup final. Yes, I mean, exactly. And you know. see, their hockey team has never been really bad either. No. So, you know, they're getting exposed to how professional sports actually work with an inconsistent football team. That, that was not going to be my panel. But, but, Robert, you know, the one thing I do have to say, I don't remember a, a worse loss for a team that's supposed to be a contender losing to a team that's not, other than the one a couple of years ago in the Patriots lost to Miami on the last play on the hook and lateral thing. You know, yeah, I, yeah, it, well, it's just unbelievable. You know, you, yeah. Because you throw in the whole Baker Mayfield thing being there a day and a half. And you know. Yeah. Well, uh, I don't know if you heard this part of it, Rick. He actually booked a flight to L.A. before the Rams even claimed him. Really? Uh, he, yeah. hadn't, he hadn't even been claimed by the Rams, but he automatically assumed that he was going to go to L.A., so he already booked a flight to go to L.A. <laughs> you, wonder who, you wonder if his agent had told him. Might have heard something. They're, they're yeah. going to yeah. claim him. Yeah, but uh, no, it's remarkable. He showed up, did not know hardly any of the playbook, and for him to do that, um, I well, people in Las Vegas go, well, we need to fire the coach. We need to do this. We need to. Unfortunately, folks, Mark Davis is not going to fire Josh McDaniel. He's still paying John Gruden. He will be yeah. paying. He will be paying John Gruden for five more years. Josh McDaniels will be there until Davis is done paying Gruden. So I, I've even called into Las Vegas radio and told them, you're going to have to deal with what you've got. Yeah, because it ain't going to change. Um, I, I, if anybody's going to take a fall for this, this was not going to be my panel. But if anybody's going to take a fall for this, it's going to be Patrick Graham, the defense coordinator. That defense, he played, uh, he played some kind of defense that you're only supposed to play when you want to prevent a team from scoring. And of course, he didn't prevent a thing. Baker Mayfield went 98 yards. I had other stuff I wanted to cover, but uh, <laughs> I, we'll leave that for a couple of weeks because I won't be here next Tuesday. I've got an appointment that I can't get out of. So, Sean, over to you. Robert, all I have to say is wait till they get the A's in Vegas and the fans will really be panicking. <laughs> all I have to say to you, but... <laughs> oh, man. But anyway, well, 75 degrees here in Austin, by the way. I thought I'd mention that. I think, Bill, I need to hit the mute button with those. That kind of <laughs> yeah, is it time for my phone to mess up? No. <laughs> but anyway, uh, I got We'll talk. I'll talk about this story in a little bit, but the whole with the Chris Beard situation and everything yesterday, last night, Texas had a home game against Rice. They struggled. The fans came out in support of the players. I mean, yeah, new arena, and it's the last day of finals for UT for them, but students hung around. They showed up. They supported the players. They supported Rodney Terry, the acting head coach, you know, assistant. He was assistant under uh, Rick Barnes for 10 years, and he left and went to a couple other jobs and came back with So I got to give them their props there. Spurs, man, they're messing up. They're not tanking. They won three in a row. Come on, boys. We can't pick 10 to 12. We need a top five. Tank, boys. Lose, lose, lose. No. Anyway, and speaking of not losing, speaking of winning, you would be a winner if you want to contact us anytime throughout the week if you're listening on the podcast or even if you're listening live at sports lounge at allthingsradio.net or 773-572-7715. Or 800-693-0595, option two, say it's for Sports Lounge. Also, if you want 
The College Bowl schedule, that's right, the College Bowl schedule is available, 773-572-6353. There was some hiccups with Perry and the ESPN website, but at the end, I straightened, though there were two or three little hiccups, but I got that straightened out at the end. I was able to add on to it, and we, you know, so it is, you know, once you listen, you have everything there, and it will be up all the way through the bowl season, 773-572-6353. Three five three, but speaking and they of the start, NFL, and they start already... on the bowl, Sean. Just for their knowledge, they start on Friday, and the championship yeah. is on January 9th, But the last actual bowl game is on January second. Yeah. So anywhere from December sixteenth, yeah. uh, January second, that's when most of them are. Right. Yes, they are. But we got some NFL to talk about. And, we do. Well, Robert, Robert and Perry's little battle plus the other stuff. <laughs> That's right. Well, the Raiders uh, beat the loss of the Rams 17-16. As I say, they're, they're up by 16-3 to with five minutes to go. Same exact score as the Monday night game, uh, like Rick was saying. And, uh, I, don't I didn't know if even much... think about that till he said it. Till yeah. Rick said it, I didn't think about that. that yeah, he's right. We won. Yeah, it was. <laughs> and you know, but uh, really, the I think the Raiders was worse. Just with again with the guy yeah. I haven't been there two yeah. days. It was just ridiculous. There's no way you should lose a game like that. And they they were also yeah. lo- you know losing focus. They were they're trying to knock the ball away from him when when he's already down and everything like that. Getting extra pen- penalties like that ridiculous. But and we've kind of talked about more more than we probably need to on that game. <laughs> uh, uh, Buffalo beat the Jets uh, twenty to twelve. Uh, and uh, Mike White was getting knocked out of the game with his ribs all the time. Uh, what is the prognosis on him? What Appar- are they about apparently, him? at least for now, he is day-to-day, but they expect that he yeah. will play. Okay. He says he's, he says he's fine. He, he looked at his kids out of the crib yesterday and played with them, and he said yeah. he's going to be fine. Yeah. But he, he took a couple of wicked shots. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And the, <laughs> the thing is that uh, they uh, I heard heard if he doesn't play, they insist on playing Flacco. Who's a statue. They do. You know, they, I don't know why they won't play Wilson when – Wilson's their second-best quarterback. He's not – well, no, yeah. no, no. I uh, mean, um, I, th- I think in a lot of ways the reason they don't want to right now, un- unfortunately, it's from what it sounds to me, Rick, it sounds like – uh, Salah just does not have faith in Wilson right now. Well, I think part of it, I mean, Wilson was, was inactive Sunday, so it had to be Flacco coming yeah. in. Um, they, they haven't decided yet if, if um, White can't play, who's going to be starting Sunday. I think part of, of excuse me, Wilson being inactive is, is they're trying to teach him a little bit of a lesson. They, you know, he hasn't been going over real well with his teammates in the, in the clubhouse. And I, you know, I think they just want him to, uh, you know, to get some humility here and, and maybe, you know, think about what he's doing. You know, yeah. and not only that, I had heard, and I hadn't heard this up until the last couple of weeks, but it sounds like he had the, it, it sounds like when they drafted him, they kind of knew that he had these issues because he did the same thing in college. Yeah. And like we said before, he was, he was not a captain of his team. And, and for a, you know, a major team like that, that, you know, for the quarterback not to be captain is pretty unusual. Mm-hmm. Cincinnati finally broke their losing streak against the Browns and beat them 23 to 10. And, uh, uh, they had had a five-game losing streak, and uh, you know they they basically did what they had to do. Uh, it, the teams, just to sort of just put it in a nutshell, and we'll talk about the standings. The teams like the Raiders, like the Browns, Jacksonville won to get there, and the Steelers at five and eight. They're now two games behind all the all the teams that are fighting for the last wild card with only four to go. They're not out of it, out of it. And they can say they're meaningful games, and they sort of are. And you know, and, and theoretically, you could get to nine wins and get in, but it's, it's going to be pretty tough. So that was a, a, a tough loss for the Browns to to have with the Bengals. One of those. 
one of those strange stats is up until that game, Burrow was 0-4 against Cleveland and 3-0 and against Mahomes in Kansas City. There you go. Uh, Dallas beat Houston 27-23, to and Houston really battled the Cowboys. Wow. I don't know if the Cowboys were down or Houston was up or what the story was, but Houston kept playing uh, all their different quarterbacks. Everybody was in uh, Davis Mills and, and Jeff Driscoll, and they were doing like a back-and-forth quarterback thing. Maybe the, there are different styles enough that was confusing Dallas, but either way, uh, if you yeah. back Houston, you made a lot of money. Yeah, yeah, because Cowboys. Oh, they're going to Houston showed Houston Houston showed that they were Houston basically as Dallas tried to take give the game away. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Detroit meet Minnesota, thirty-four to twenty-three, and what is going on with the Lions? They can score points unless they're playing the Patriots. I guess. Yep. And uh, but, Dalvin uh, yeah. Cook for the Viking did not have a good week this week, and I think the thought process from what you hear is that when when Cook can run the ball, that opens up Cousins to be able to pass better, and when he wasn't running well, they were able to stop the pass better. Right. So yeah, either they, way, um, yeah. Detroit is, the Lions, is, is, as Rick said, Detroit's yeah. in the mix for the playoff there. Yeah. The Lions run defense has gotten a lot better over the last few weeks and it it, it didn't stop cousins this week because he threw for for 425 yards wow yeah okay well that, that's pretty amazing um okay and then uh and and goff had a really good game too everybody had given up on him when they when the rams let him go but he's, he's uh, played very well in the last well, most of the year actually most, most games Jacksonville beat Tennessee 36 to 22. Uh, Tennessee seems to be the Tampa Bay of the AFC. They seem to be they're in they're going to make the playoffs. They're going to win their division, all that stuff. But they they seem to be the uh, the fraud of the the a- AFC. And you know, and if they if things were to end right now, they'd have to face Cincinnati, and Cincinnati's got their number. So you know, it's not good for Tennessee. Yep. Yeah. Nope. Okay. And I think uh, um, Henry is you know Henry all he he, take, he makes a, a ton of carries every year, and I'm wondering if it's starting to wear on him because he had. He had like 119 yards in the first half in this game. He, had, he ended up with two yards in the second half. Yeah, uh, running so back so tiring out. When yeah. they go, they go. You know, and, yeah. and and they get their big contract. And it's not that they don't want to play, but they, you'll give them a big contract and whatever about the fourth, fifth year of their career, unless they're very unusual. There's some guys that went Walter Payton, different ones that you can think of that lasted a long time. And about year five or year six, it's bam, they, they're no well, good anymore. Uh, uh, Chris, that's what I'm worried about with John Jacobs. He's currently yeah. leading, leading the league in rushing, and but he was exhausted the other night because you know, the Raiders used him a lot on Sunday against Chargers and by the time Thursday came around against the Rams yeah he had 27 carries for 99 yards but had he been uh, his fully functioning self he might have got 150 yards. And Trevor um, Lawrence had another good game 368 yards and three touchdowns so you know he uh, he you know he had that bad game in between there but you know the two the comeback in this game uh, he may be uh, starting to you know, put himself in that conversation with who was the best quarterback drafted out of that group, you know, because uh, with Fields had been kind of running away with it for the moment. But Yeah, I think that was his best game. Yeah, yeah. Philadelphia beat the Giants 48-22, to and uh, Philadelphia got off to a 21 nothing start, and there wasn't much going on after that, was there, uh, Rick? No, it's, I mean, they had 250 yards rushing. They, they, they just and, – and with – I mean, it's hard to say there was a key play, but a, but a thing that set everything off, Philly was already up 7 to nothing. They're going like 4th and 7 on, I think, the Giants 40 something and he threw a pass down the sideline and and julian love who said well the best defensive back right now with all the injuries he's usually pretty good he, he thought he had the interception lined up and he missed it and and Devontae smith grabbed it and went in for the touchdown but the, the worst thing about that was it was fourth and seven you shouldn't be going for the interception knock it down you're gonna have better field yep. position that's right and after that it's just the floodgates opened up yeah uh, Baltimore beat Pittsburgh 16 to 14 in the uh, 
whose quarterback could stay on the field longer. Uh, yeah. You know, we had Huntley knocked out, and uh, Anthony uh, Brown came in. He made, did he play at BC? Is he the guy that we had an Anthony Brown once? I, I have no idea. Mm-hmm. You know, these guys God, move around so. so much. You know, mm-hmm. and, and Huntley, not. by the way, is still in the concussion protocol. So yeah. So it looks yeah. like Anthony Brown for uh, for uh, Saturday because it's a, it's a, on the, one of the Saturday games, and then we had Pickett yeah. out for he was in the concussion concussion protocol, yeah. and that meant that uh, Steve Trubisky came in and threw three interceptions, one of them in the red zone. So there you Mitch go, Trubisky, I, Mitch. Mitch, Mitch, Mitch. Oh, they call him yeah. Steve. I'm thinking yeah. Steve Zabrisky now. His name is uh, <laughs> I, I can't get his name right no matter what I do. What did I call him? Bubby <laughs> Brister once. Anyway, <laughs> Steve like Zabrisky that. was an old Mets broadcaster. That's what I'm saying. I'm yeah. saying it could be anybody. But and I had the guy in fantasy. What's my problem? Anyway, the thing is that he threw uh, an interception in the red zone. I think the Steelers would have won that game if he hadn't come in. I think they were going to figure out a way to win that game. Yeah. But, uh, you know, they didn't get to. But here's another guy who didn't win a game. Tampa Bay beat the Tom Brady, Tampa <laughs> Bay, uh, uh, Tampa Bay. Mm-hmm. The, the Buccaneers lost 35-7. to <laughs> And it was funny because, actually, I wrote it down wrong on the stupid uh, sheet here. I'm so used to Tampa Bay winning. that I had them. That's what was screwing me out. The thing is that, you know, you, we had uh, David USF came in at one point and he said something like well you know that's the end of the 49ers you know this uh, Brock uh, uh, Purdy he's not going to do anything yeah okay but Brady Mr. Uh, Mr. Mr. Irrelevant time. was very relevant he was Absolutely. he lost Brady lost his first game to a first time starter but if you look at the list and I didn't write him down but if you look at the list of those first time starters they were horrible Man, they, they were terrible quarterbacks but this guy has a chance to be a good one so well, and you know and you know Tampa Bay in all honesty they're six and seven. Now they should be, by all rights, they should be six and eight. Yeah. After you know, with last Monday. Yeah. Uh, five and eight. Uh, uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Five yeah. and eight. Right. Uh, Correct. Uh, yeah. <laughs> by 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 all right, uh, like we talked about last week. Uh, his performance on Sunday proved Kyle Shanahan correct when when the whole Baker Mayfield thing came up about, well, are you going to claim them? No. we. He kept saying, no, we have our quarterbacks. He was proven correct on Sunday. So. They said again, even on the on the broadcast, Greg Papa and, and Tim Ryan, yeah. they said again on Sunday that, that uh, Kyle Shanahan has said even with Trey Lance healthy next year, that Brock Purdy will be given a chance to compete for that starting job. That there you go. Yep. Yeah, and and, and another did, big uh, injury in that game was Debo Samuel. Yeah, when I was, what they thought at first was a maybe a torn ACL, but it turns out just sprained knee, a sprained ankle, and he, he should be back maybe for the very end of the regular season, but probably definitely for the playoffs. So. I, I think they're going to hold him out, Rick, until the playoffs. Yeah, so. they probably yeah. will be able to because they they're going to win the division, and the question is, you know, they're going they should get. It depends on how much they want the, the two of the three. That's what they're going to be battling for. Well, Carolina, you end up playing the same team, but you're – well, no, I mean in the second round. But yeah, yeah, the second round. Carolina yeah. beat Seattle 30-24. to 24. Seattle went down 17 and nothing right away. They fought back, but they, they never were able to come over the top. And, uh, you know, Seattle so, – you know, you talk about the Giants seeking their level. Seattle kind of is too. They started off great, and it's, it's just the defense isn't that good. It's a, you know, the offense is pretty good. The defense isn't what it used to be, that's for sure. Yeah, and they're missing their, their rookie running back there, Walker, who's, who's been out the last week or two, and yeah. he's a big part of their offense. Uh, Kansas City beat Denver 34 28. Actually, Denver showed a little fight, scored probably about twice as many mm-hmm. points as they usually do. <laughs> Kansas, but, uh, Kansas City, Russell though, Wilson, did get off to a really fast start in that game. They though. did. Yeah, they were yeah. kind of coached. And Russell Wilson, bit. yeah, Russell Wilson got injured. We actually got this game as our CBS game instead of an early game mm-hmm. uh, because I guess they didn't mm-hmm. want to go head to head against Houston Dallas. So we got but yeah, Russell Wilson got injured, but I think he's going to be okay. But, I hope uh, so. I, yeah. I hope I think uh, the mighty Cardinals on Sunday. So, okay. you know, we hope so. <laughs> yeah. 
Okay. We have the Chargers beat Miami 23-17. Miami's offense should have only gotten about three points. They were horrible. I don't know what happened yeah. to them. Yeah, they, they, were off, they looked like the Patriots' offense. There was, you know, uh, delay of game, offside, you know, uh, shit, illegal shift, all kinds of stuff. It wasn't for Tyreek Hill, you know, picking up that fumble and running it in and, and then catching the long pass. I mean, they wouldn't have been in the game. They were horrible. I don't know how they, you know, you wonder who, where the Patriots, why is the Patriots' offense on the field playing the Chargers here? Because that's what it looked like. Yeah, I don't know what happened. The Chargers' defense this year has been a film, and they couldn't, Miami couldn't do anything. No. And again, the Patriots beat Arizona 27 to 13 last last night, and uh, they were down 13 to seven, and they got the last 20 points. And basically, they adjusted because now they didn't have Stevenson, so they started to throw screen passes. They said they, that the Patriots have uh, thrown more passes than anybody else in the league that have been caught behind the line of scrimmage all year long. Yeah. But they don't go downfield, and that's what they do. And also, part of it was, hey, they got 27 points, and it wasn't pretty. But uh, Van Joseph, uh, Vance Joseph, had called them out, said they were a rinky-dink offense. Basically. So that didn't go. Over when will Kyle? When will uh, when will Cliff Kingsbury get fired? That's the question. End of the year. Yeah. <laughs> I heard a, on the on the Patriots passing there. I heard a stat that they're the lowest in the league. With only thirty seven percent of their passes have gone past the first down mark. That's right. I heard that too at halftime. Well, yeah. Well, Sean, to answer your question, Joe Buck and Troy Aikman were talking about this very subject last night during the game. Uh, the owner, uh, I think it's Michael Bidwell of the Cardinals, uh, yeah. gave long-term extensions to both Ky- Kyler Murray till 2028 and the GM at Kingsbury till 2027. So I don't think I don't think anybody's going anywhere in that trio. Well, I don't know. I think, you know, I think Kingsbury is. Yeah. <laughs> I just, you know, yeah. it's not as bad as the Raiders. They'd be paying two coaches, you know, so yeah. I, I think uh, they might do it. So that that was the action. And then uh, so we had uh, we have the standings here in the AFC East. Buffalo is 10 and three. Miami, eight and five. Uh, so they got a two game lead with uh, four to go. So they're in pretty good shape to win that. And they're playing each other this week. We'll get the schedule next. Jets seven and six and the uh, Patriots seven and six, I should say, and Jets seven and six because the Patriots have the tiebreaker having beaten them twice. AFC North, Baltimore nine and four, Cincinnati nine and four. And as much as the Ravens, uh, you know, shouldn't have maybe won the other day, they still uh, have that uh, division lead for the moment, but they're going to be playing again. Cleveland five and eight, Pittsburgh five and eight, AFC South, Tennessee seven and six. They're going to, they're going to be, unlike Tampa Bay, the, uh, you know, the, the, uh, fake of the uh, NFC. Tampa Bay doesn't know if they're going to win their division yet. Tennessee's going to yeah. win their division, but, uh, yeah. you know, they're just not going to be very good when they get there. Tennessee 7-6, and six, Jacksonville 5-8, and eight, the Colts are 4-8-1, and one, and Houston is 1-11-1, and one, and in the West, Kansas City 10-3, and three, Chargers 7-6. and six. I guess they haven't quite won the division. I think it's a magic number of one for the Chiefs yeah. to do that. Uh, the Raiders are 5-8, and eight, and Denver 3-10. and 10. NFC East, Philadelphia hasn't quite won the division yet either. They're twelve and one. Dallas ten and three. Washington seven five and one. Giants seven five and one. NFC North, Minnesota ten and three. They haven't quite won the division yet. The Lions are six and seven. They would if they beaten the Lions, they would have had that one. So there'll be a lot of division champions crowned this week. I think Green Bay five and eight. Chicago three and ten. Everybody, by the way, if you notice, has played 13 games. So all the buys are over. NFC South, Tampa Bay, 6-7. and seven, Carolina, 5-8. and eight, Atlanta, 5-8. and eight. Watch out for Carolina because they've got the division. They're, they've been beating the divisional team. So if they're tiebreakers for something, uh, they might sneak in there. And New Orleans, Carolina has the destiny in their hands. I mean, they say they do. Here. They do. can't really do that. But yeah. Great for the 5-8 uh, and eight Panthers with four games to go to have the destiny in their hands. Yeah. Atlanta, 5-8. and eight, New Orleans, 4-9. and nine. In the West, we have San Francisco at 9-4. and four, Seattle, 7-6. and six. 49ers can win that division by winning 
morning on Thursday night. Arizona four and nine, and the Rams four and nine. And then so the seeds right now would be in the AFC: Buffalo number one, Kansas City number two, Baltimore three, Tennessee four, Cincinnati five, Miami six. Patriots are seven in the seven and six group. They've got the tiebreakers. They're seven. And uh, the others would be out at the moment. The Jets also at uh, seven and six, and the Chargers actually goes Chargers, then Jets, and then you drop down to the teams you know that like I talked about the five and eight teams, uh, the Raiders, the Jacksonville, Cleveland, and Pittsburgh, who are almost out of it. NFC: Philadelphia number one, Minnesota number two, San Francisco number three, Tampa Bay four, Dallas five, Washington six, Giants seven, and then uh, Detroit right behind the Giants, just by a game uh, behind, and and Washington, and then Carolina, Atlanta, even though they're five and eight, as I say, they're still in. It. And our contest. You forgot Seattle. Oh, in Seattle. Yeah. Seattle's Seattle actually behind the, the head Seattle. of Detroit. Yeah. yeah, I forgot to write them down. Mm-hmm. Oh, Seattle yeah. is definitely right behind Detroit. and uh, But they've got some issues uh, lately with their defense. Okay. In our contest for football, I've got 158. Rick has 146. Perry, 143. Pierre, 143. Robert, 139. USF is 135. Sean is 134. Al in Cleveland's 129. Jerry's 128. Uh, Jamal is 119. Uh, Laurie has gotten out of last place at 114. King Dale at 113. He didn't get it picked in this week. And uh, so we have the schedule for next week. And uh, we had to, this is these are my two challenging schedules. This one and the last one of the year. I have to write it up myself because it changes so much yeah. that I just have a sheet of paper that I wrote everything up on because Robert very nicely put them in uh, as the changes came along. And then uh, I looked at my Braille schedule and tried to piece it together. So first of all, we have Thursday night's game, San Francisco at Seattle yeah. at 815. And that is the uh, prime Amazon Prime game. And then we have on the 17th, we have uh, Indianapolis at Minnesota at 1 p.m. On All these are NFL networks for the Saturday games. So that's uh, 1 p.m. We have Baltimore at Cleveland, 4.30 p.m. And we have uh, uh, and the Miami at Buffalo for 8.15 p.m. And they're all... And those are all... Uh, okay, you, you know where it's... Yeah, yeah, that. that. yeah that's right. And yeah. the thing is, USF is definitely from Southern California. So he says yesterday, he puts in a little item that tells us there's supposed to be four to seven inches of snow on Saturday. He wonders if they're going to play the game in Buffalo. Oh, that, that's nothing. <laughs> that's nothing for Buffalo. Oh, no, yeah. uh, because the reason why I said that is because of what happened earlier. They ended up moving the game to Detroit. I think that's there were three feet of yeah. snow or no, whatever. Four to seven feet. Yeah. 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 No, if you can get the foot, the magic mark here, and it probably is in Buffalo. If you start talking about a foot of snow, then you start thinking about really canceling right. things and worrying about that. But four to seven, ah, stay and, in the, and, stay in the look, We all grew up with games uh, on TV in the snow. Well, I don't see any problem with, and, you know, with that. And that, game, and that game was moved mainly because of what was it coming off the lake? There was something that wasn't just the snow. It was the wind and something. Yeah, yeah, it comes to the lake effect. No, is what they yeah. had. Yeah. yeah. All right, for Sunday, we have Atlanta and New Orleans, 1 p.m. on Fox. So if, if these networks are wrong, because I had to, you know, sort of piece it together, but I'm, I'm assuming there's only a couple of things. I didn't think they traded any games or anything to do all this. No. They, haven't, they haven't moved anything this year. <laughs> no. Okay, no, they're not. No, I don't think they're going to. This, well, you mean for Christmas, uh, upcoming for Christmas? No. Yeah. I don't no, they won't do the Christmas games. Everybody's got to make plans. Philadelphia, Chicago, 1 p.m. on Fox. Detroit at the Jets, 1 p.m. on Fox, it says here, because um, that's where it was before. Pittsburgh, oh, yeah, it would be Detroit on the road. Pittsburgh at Carolina, 1 p.m. on CBS. Dallas at Jacksonville, 1 p.m. on Fox. The uh, Kansas City's at Houston, 1 p.m. on CBS. Then we go to the late games. Patriots and uh, the Raiders are 4, 4.05 on Fox because <clears throat> that replaced the Giants game. 
Yep. Yeah. Arizona at Denver, uh, 405 also on Fox. We have Tennessee at the Chargers, 425 on CBS. Uh, Cincinnati at Tampa Bay, 425 on CBS. Tampa Bay, if, if, if you're not sick of Brady now, you know, just wait. Oh, I know. Yeah. Him all the time. <laughs> and then, and then uh, the uh, Sunday night game will be a good one. Giants at Washington, 820 on NBC. And then, of course, the uh, Monday night game, I forgot, I forgot to write it down. Green Bay, Rams and Green, Green Bay. Bay. Yeah, Rams and Green, 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 Green Bay, a, a highly unmeaningful game. So there you go. And, That's uh, a, and within three nights, night games in Buffalo and Green Bay. That's always good stuff. Yeah, well, yeah. they like those. They like those. <laughs> yeah. you know, and Washington can be, you know, chilly. Yeah. You never know. Yeah. You never know. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's it. I don't know. Did anybody well, have any other? We kind of have talked about the injuries, I think. Is there any more NFL notes that we yeah. want to cover? I got a, I got a couple of things. Okay. Um, First of all, um, I forgot to mention it last week when uh, two weeks ago when Green Bay beat Chicago, they, that finally ended Chicago's like over 100 year streak of having more wins than anybody in the NFL. Green Bay passed them. Oh, okay. Um, and um, uh, <laughs> I was thinking something. Oh, I got a little bit of a, a, a pet peeve or something, and I don't know if I'm right or not, but nobody else here watches the Red Zone channel, do they? Every now and then, I do. Yeah, okay. every now and then. Okay, they have this thing, um, and I, I think, it, what's his name, Andrew Siciliani, I think he's on yeah. there. Yeah. He, um, he has this thing where it, it happens like around 3.15 in the afternoon, and then he does it again around 6.30 for the, for the second round of games, where they'll show the scoreboard and they'll say, we got, we got one, um, one score games in this game, this game, this game. And then there'll, there'll be these, these bells ringing, and they'll say, so now we enter the witching hour where wins become losses and losses become wins. And he's very dramatic about it. It looks like he loved doing it. Well, for the first time, and I can't remember how long, they didn't do it last week. And just that conspiracy theory in me, I'm wondering with the woke stuff, did, did a bunch of witches get mad that he's calling it the witching hour? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. So I'll, I'll just keep an eye on it. See what Maybe happens every other week he should call it the warlock hour, you know, and that would work. <laughs> yeah. And just um, uh, nobody's won the division yet, but Philly did clinch a playoff spot. They're the first yes. team. And uh, – Houston, Denver, and sorry, Jamal, Chicago were the teams that were eliminated this week. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, I think, you know, considering what happened, you know, I've got things written in a different order, but and we were certainly going to talk about this and what had happened up to that point. But actually, why don't we do the two, uh, the, the Mike Leach story and the and the Texas story with uh, Chris Beard. Why don't we do them right well, away? Because okay, let's. Stories I'll go with now. the Mike. I'll go with the Mike Leach, Sean, and then if you want to go with the Texas one, because you okay. probably know well, a little more about that. But Mike Leach, yeah, um, apparently on Sunday night <clears throat> suffered a massive heart attack at his home. Now he had been at a Christmas party Saturday night and was fine, but he suffered a and massive he heart attack. with the team on Saturday. Too. Yeah, he did. He but on with... Sunday, yeah. he he suffered a massive heart attack. He was taken. Uh, to Jackson to a hospital, the University of Mississippi Medical Center in Jackson. Um, they did all they could, but he passed away last night um, with his wife and his children were with him. So, you know, that that's always good. If, if something like that's going to happen, it's always good. The family can be there. And, and Mike Leach was a character. For those who don't know, oh, yeah. um, it, Mike Leach, Rick mentioned the, the woke stuff, but with politically correct stuff, that is not Mike Lee. If you're politically correct, do not no. don't don't give it to him because um, he doesn't go for it. And he, he doesn't apologize very, for it. He never apologized no, he, for he it. He certainly does no. not. But he's very simple because I was listening today and Cole Cole Kibelik, who works for the SEC Network, he said I went in one day and he said I asked him a big football question. He said I thought it was a great question. And he said Mike Leach just sat there and he looked at me and he says 
you make football way too complicated, you guys do. <laughs> he, I forget what mm-hmm. the team was, but Mike Leach says, what do they do? Cabellic says, well, they run the ball. He said, okay, what do we do? You throw the ball around. Mike Leach says, then don't make it any more complicated than that. He said, football is a very easy game. He said, enjoy the game and don't complicate it. So Mike Leach was, and he did a show with um, Jack Root on Sirius XM. And, you know, the hosts can, even before Zoom, they had something to where the hosts could see each other. And Jack would say that in every break when Mike lived in Key West, he would jump off the porch and go jump into his pool during the break. And then he'd take a little swim, come back and he was ready to go. So um, a very simple man, but anybody who's worked with him really loved him because he was simple. He wasn't complicated. And he said, people make football more than it is. Well, and you know, you think about Mike Leach, all right. The air, he created the air raid offense, which if you look at a lot of the way the NFL quarterbacks and stuff, you, what you see, that's variations on that air raid offense. Look at a lot of your young quarterbacks. They, they came variations. Of course, like I said, he, he was an assistant at Kentucky. He had a law degree from Pepperdine and he never played football, but he was a huge fan of football. And he said, he told his wife, he said, you know what, I could go be a lawyer and be miserable, or I can go coach football and be happy. And he was like at San Luis Obispo Junior College with $3,000 a, a year, a season, coaching the offensive line. And then he, you know, he ended up at, uh, I think, Valdosta State, and then he was an assistant at Kentucky, and Bob Stoops brought him in when he got hired at Oklahoma, and then in 2001, he went to Texas Tech, where he coached until 2009. He had a 76 and 39 record, and then uh, coach of the year, Big 12 coach of the year in 2008. And then 2009, that infamous scandal, which a lot of has been shut down, where the concussion with Craig James's son and at practice, and then where they said that he locked him in a shed for two hours, but apparently. Now it's come out more that Craig James's son was not locked in there. He put, went in there on his own, and they tried to, you know, and there was a lawsuit where, of course, he didn't get money out of Texas Tech, but you know, he he won the lawsuit, but I don't think I don't know if he was ever paid and uh, by Craig James and his family. And then, you know, so that was in 2009, and then 2012 he went to Washington State, where he had a 55 and 47 record and coach of the year in 15 and 18 for the Pac-12, and then. Last three years, he, he went to Mississippi State from there in the pandemic, came in. And, you know, like I said, he had some great, some of the best quotes. I mean, he was a pirate. Yep. And, I mean, his, he had a good rant that was funny about candy corns and how he hated candy corns. And there was a, one about the, uh, there was one about the match, the, a battle between the, the, all the Pac-12 mascots who would win and fights and all that. And he goes, and there's, and just his thing about players listening to their fat girlfriends. And like I said, he, <laughs> he didn't care. And no. if, and he, if you want to hear some good Mike Leach interviews, uh, Trey Elling, he used to work at 104.9 The Hornbees. And he did interviews with them. And he has a podcast called Books on Pod. And if you go back a ways, you can get some Mike Leach interviews where he talks about stuff other than football. And he, but everybody, I was listening to the Lubbock radio station today, and they said he he cared a lot about people. He would give you their time. The best, one of the funniest was the sideline reporter, and she said, well, Coach, do you have any marriage advice for me and my fiancé? And he goes, well, if you're asking me, it's too late. You don't need advice if you haven't asked. <laughs> you know, and Mike Leach said uh, that if he could have, if he had the time to do it, he would have continued that Sirius XM show because he said, I loved it because, I mean, if you've ever heard Jack Aroot, he's a little unique, too. Oh, so yeah. those two, they, they really <laughs> yeah, got along well. <laughs> and my, and Leach uh, said, boy, he said, even coaching, he said, if I had time, he said, I would have continued to do that show because he said that was a fun three hours. 
Well, on the other side of the coin, we have the story of Chris Beard down in Texas, uh, Texas basketball coach, Sean. Okay, Sunday night, Texas basketball Chris Beard, a, 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 a disturbance call was placed at his home. Uh, about Well, they showed up about 2, 2.07 a.m., uh, and I guess there was an altercation. He was arrested at 4.18 a.m., booked in the Travis County Jail, released at 2.30 p.m. on $10,000 bond where uh, for felony uh, choking with enabling, uh, inhibiting someone's breath, uh, to breathe, and then about then yesterday he was suspended from the uh, the University of Texas suspended him indefinitely without pay. Rodney Terry, the associate head coach, uh, is the head coach. I mentioned that part. Uh, apparently, what they're finding out is that it was an altercation with the girl, either his fiance or girlfriend. There's been debates on whether they were engaged. I guess she had come home. She had been drinking. Uh, she said she said that in her affidavit that came out last night, but. And I guess there was an old, she had broken his reading glasses. She had bruises on her thigh, on her arms, uh, cuts on her nose, lips, just different stuff. And apparently he, had, he, got, he got away from her, or she got away from him, I should say, when she called. Uh, his lawyer said he is innocent and the complainant doesn't want to press charges. However, uh, and he said he has a recording showing he was not the primary aggressor, although, as they say, state of Texas law, even even if you're not the primary aggressor, if someone, if you know, in a domestic dispute, if you come at the person, they may be shoving you or whatever. If you start hurting them, especially, you know, they, and especially like that, because if it had just been bruises and stuff, would have been considered misdemeanor, but he choked her inhibiting breath. That goes right to a felony. Uh, he's got a court date sometime in January. They're not sure exactly when, but he has, he's out on bond. He has a restraining order till February 10th and right now suspended indefinitely without pay. But if this drags out, they're going to probably have to fire him. Even if he's not guilty, if he comes out not guilty, they're not, I mean, it's still the fact that he was in that situation. They have to move on as a university because I mean, it'll be March and then April and then next season. They got to say, what are we going to do about coaching? We can't continue to pay them. And since they are public universities, there's an out in the co- in in the contract where they can uh, get him, uh, where they can fire him and not have to pay him thirty five million. And if he is guilty, obviously he definitely deserves to be fired. But we'll see what comes out of this. Like I said, Rodney Terry coached the team last night. He's going to coach them, I guess, probably the rest of the season. And they were they, had, they were number two, and last night they were they moved down. They're number seven in the country, but that's pretty much that's okay. what we know so far. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll be updating that if uh, more stuff comes in. Um, so back onto the field and into the coaching carousel. Army beat Navy twenty to seventeen in double overtime. It was the first overtime game they played, and of course we've had overtime for about twenty five years. Army ended up six and six. Navy ended up four and eight, and then uh, and then the commander in chief trophy though was won by Air Force because they beat both all all. Three of them. So all you Air Force fans can uh, hold your heads high. Navy fired their yeah. coach Ken uh, uh, Nayakatola, Nayukatolo, yeah. yes, and head of Navy from 07 to one of those 22. Games. One of those names. Yeah, yeah. well, he got, yeah. we did all right with it. Uh, 07 to 22, 109 and 83. So not a bad record for him. Uh, Navy Army all time is 62 wins for Navy, 54 for Army, and seven ties. So there you go. So that took care of that. That was the only like meaningful. Obviously, there was what what I call the one double A uh, playoff game. Holy Cross, by the way, lost 42 to 21 to those Jackrabbits of South Dakota State. Yeah, but that one game my... was a little bit closer than that, Chris, because it, going into the yeah. fourth quarter, it was 21 to 21. 
Oh, all right. Okay, good for the Crusaders. Now, uh, UNL... I, I do want to give you one more one more football note, a good one here. You, a good mm-hmm. feel-good story. Uh, Wartburg College out of Waverly, Iowa, <clears throat> was playing Mount Union in the Division Three playoffs. And if you know anything about Division Three, Mount Union is... They're there every yeah, single good. year. Yeah. Yes. And yeah. Wartburg was leading, and then Mount Union got a touchdown to win the game with 26 seconds left. So a dream season for the Knights comes to an end, 31-28 to 28 loss. But you know what? You, you know how big of a deal it is for yeah. a team, a local auto dealership, paid for the local radio station guy to fly out and do the game and and everything and so you, you feel good for for guys like that and, and like yep. matt ray said at the end of the game he said you know you you feel bad now when you lose but he said i hope when they have a chance to sit back and analyze this they they'll realize what a great year that they had and that it was a dream season uh-huh you know he hired uh barry uh, odom he was in missouri before so he's rebuilding his career in the mountain west uh, and Jeff Graham, Graham, G-R-A-M, I guess, from Purdue to, wow. to Louisville now. He replacing <laughs> replacing Scott Satterfield. And uh, so then the, we talk about the awards, the Heisman Trophy. Caleb Williams won the award. And as Keith Jackson would say, he's only a sophomore. So he has to stay there one more year. He won the Maxwell Award first, and then he won the, uh, which is the most outstanding player. And then he won the Heisman. And uh, that's... Uh, and the Walter Camp also. The Walter Camp oh, he did. Okay. Yeah. USC now with eight awards. And I, we, in at least in my scoring system, since we never take wins away from teams, we're not going to take the Heisman away from yeah. Reggie Bush either. So, because college rules are always crazy. So, Oklahoma, uh, USC now has uh, eight. Oklahoma seven, Ohio State seven, and Notre Dame seven, and uh, yeah. and the first for USC since Bush won it in 2005, and Lincoln Riley uh, has had Baker Mayfield win it in 17, and uh, Kyler Murray in 18, and now Williams has won it in 22, and he's only 39 years old, so uh, quite a quite a record for him. So there you go. All right, and you're already York. starting to see players, <clears throat> many of them, if they're not in the playoffs, and I think I've even heard a rumor of a couple in the playoffs, but if they're not in the 14 playoff many players are starting to opt out of the bowl game so yeah. you may not yep. go to the bowl game yep. with the same team that you finished well, with and the way i look at it though okay they can opt out in some ways if it's you know these bowl games i look at it hey i can i can build i can run some stuff to right. test for next year especially if i know i'm coming back that's the way i look at it if you're gonna yeah. opt out oh, well we don't want you anyway but you know hey by the way, Sanford hired their new coach, Troy Taylor from Sacramento State, has been named the new Sanford head coach. Yeah. Okay. okay. They had his dad a press conference either yesterday or today. Uh, apparently, uh, uh, Sacramento State is uh, currently undefeated in the uh, FCS playoff. Uh, they're 12-0, so uh, Sanford offered his job, took it. So we'll see what happens with that. Is he going to finish his uh, season with Sacramento State? Yes. Okay, good. All right. Baseball. All right, we got any more football before we go to baseball? We do. Not. Should we do that? To, did you get your uh, NBA story in there, Chris? Uh, yeah. Well, that was Paul Silas. Oh, there is one NBA oh. story because I know we wanted to wrap up with Pat Hughes. So let we, we do. We do. So I want to. Yeah, there was one other uh, significant injury. Zade Cunningham was a really good young player for the Pistons. I forget what the injury is, but he's out the rest of the season. It's, K- yeah. it's Cade Cunningham. Cade, Cade Cunningham. Cunningham. Okay, yeah. not Zade. And he was uh, out, he's out for the rest of the season, and he yeah. was a top lottery pick last year, and had off to a good start. So that's sad, but uh, you know they're they're rebuilding. So it might help him move up a couple of notches in the draft, and but he, he was a, a significant player in the NBA. So, okay, so baseball. Cody Bellinger signed the one year for seventeen point five million for the with the Cubs, and was and that was right after that okay. was right after we went off. 
That's, That's right. Correct. That's right. Yeah. So what do you think of that signing, Perry? Um, it depends. I mean, if they can get his hitting in order and he hits like he did, you know, in his in his good years, it'll be a great signing. If they don't, it, it won't be so great. Yeah, that's right. And sometimes people just fall off the face of the earth, and that's they it. Do. But look at Benintendi. He was horrible here in the 20. They traded him to the Royals and uh, with the Royals and Yankees. He bounced back. So, you know, Mitch Hanniger, outfielder to San Francisco, three years for uh, 43.5. Uh, Philadelphia signed uh, Taiwan cons- Walker. That was a consolation prize, I guess. Yeah, yeah. that was a consolation prize. <laughs> right. Philadelphia signed Taiwan Walker, pitcher, uh, for four years for uh, 72. And uh, did he play for the Mets before? Is that where he yeah, was? Yeah, last yeah. year. Yep. Okay, yep. so that's a, you know, a bit of an advance for the Phillies there, taking somebody away from the uh, uh, division. You didn't sound happy when you announced that Jamison Tyone had signed uh, four for 68 for the Cubs, uh, Perry. It didn't sound like you liked that. Um, he's just, he's kind of a middle of the road pitcher. If I'm going to sign a starting pitcher, and I don't know who I would, would say they should sign, but I, I would hope they would try to do go a little bit higher because they need a lot more than one middle of the, you know, like a second or third starter. They have a lot of threes, but right well, now they don't have Perry, a one. Perry, every, everywhere he's been, he's been very inconsistent, so I don't blame you for feeling that way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So the 23 draft lottery, we talked about it. Number six, the A's have the uh, first pick, and I'm sure they'll pick somebody good. He won't be there long, but he'll still no, pick the, pi- the Pirates have the first pick. No, right? no I'm sorry, the sixth pick. I, I was running it the other way. Oh, okay. Yeah, I should have said it. I said it wrong. Uh, the A's had the sixth pick. Minnesota's got the fifth pick. That's a move up because they didn't have as many uh, balls in the in the uh, pot as everybody else, so they moved up big time. Uh, four is Texas, three is Detroit, two Washington, and number one is the Pirates. You're right. So uh, we'll see what, again, another player. You know, you at least have faith in, uh, the, you know the Twins will do something good and they'll, they will. they'll get something out of it, but you don't have much faith in the Pirates and the A's. And, you hope and, if, you believe what right you're, and if you believe what you're reading, Chris, the Twins are still, they are still in on both Watson and Correa. I don't know if I believe the Correa stuff, but the, if you believe what you're reading, they're still in. Uh-huh. Well, and he played there last year, and they liked having him around. And, and he fine. liked them too. It, it's yeah, not. It is. won't be. He's not going to leave because he. It's like Bogart. It's not going to be leaving because he didn't like where he was. It's going to be about money, you know. Right. So. Well, and and we kind of have a little inside baseball when we get to that contract. We do. Okay. Aaron Judge made it finally. We were at the end of the show. It looked like the Giants. You know, this is what you do. You do a show, and then leaning towards the Giants. No, we came back to the Yankees. Nine for three hundred sixty million. So, what did you lose in the bet, uh, Perry? No, you uh, won, right? I won. Oh, you won. Oh, you said Yankee. Yeah. It, it was uh, yeah. the producer that said, "Okay." Yeah. Right. So, so, so I'm okay. I'm okay now, Rick. I survived. Good. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> but uh, Perry, as you pointed out, uh, the Players Association is not going to be happy with Judge because his three offers were nine three fifty from the Giants, nine and three fifty from the Yankees, and what was it, ten and four fifty from the ten Padres? or eleven in the Padres, they offered four hundred, but they were willing to go to four fifty if they had to, apparently. Yeah. yeah. Well, and immediately Jose, when he went to the Yankees, they pivoted, and we'll hear what they did in a minute. Yes, we will. Jose Quintana got uh, two years for $26 million from uh, – uh, who was the that Mets? from? I, Mets. Oh, the Mets. the Mets. That's right. Yeah. yeah, I forgot to write that down. Red Sox got Kenley Jansen. They, they did start to at least show they were alive on Wednesday by getting Kenley <laughs> Jansen two years for $32 million. And, uh, you know, which is a good, which is a good signing. The only yeah. thing that, that they're going to have to work on with him. And there's a lot of pitchers. I think that are going to have to do this. Yeah. He is over 10 seconds over what the pitch timer is. So he's going to have oh, to boy. speed up a bunch. Yeah. yeah. I heard you. Yeah. I heard he was rated slowest of all pitches in, no, in baseball. I believe it. I believe it. Yeah. Okay. 
Yeah, that's that's good. You know, ninth inning and you got uh, the bases loaded and the uh, ball four. He didn't get the pitch off in time. Game's <laughs> over. St. Louis uh, signed Wilson uh, Contreras five years for uh, 87.5 million. Like the Phillies and Mets, it's sort of a, a slap at the other division member there, uh, Perry. Yeah, and and there is a sixth year option in that as well. The rumor that you keep hearing is he and the Cubs kind of had a disagreement. He, he's a very emotional ball player. And if you know anything, which you do, Chris, if you know anything about David Ross, he is a very down-to-earth. He doesn't show the emotion and everything. And apparently he was not getting – he was not getting Contreras to – Stop being quite as emotional. Calm down, yeah. Mm-hmm. And as a catcher, it's a little like being the quarterback. You've got to, you know, you can't go out and be all hyper when you're talking to the pitchers and you kind of get them yeah. through a jam. You really do. And, need right, to... and the catchers, the two catchers that they have on the roster right now. I mean, if the season would start today, they are both calm. They, they. I mean, we all know Jan Gomes, <laughs> but both Higgins and Gomes, they don't show them. You know, they're not emotional. They do. They're kind of David Ross players. Okay. Well, Xander, that, that, so that was the first part of the day, and uh, the Red Sox did have another signing. We'll get to that in a minute. But Xander Bogarts to the Padres. They, remember, they had that extra money from uh, Aaron Judge, so they spent some of it yep. uh, for 11 years for 285 And the, the, apparently the Red Sox offer, and this is just ridiculous, this, the Red Sox were six years for 160 The money is similar per year. That's not a problem. But six years instead of 11 I mean, if you're going to get a superstar that you think is a perennial all-star nowadays, I don't care whether you think it's right, right. or wrong or what you think, you got to go 8, 9, 10, 11 years. You can't just do – they can't be fooling around with Devers this way. They're going to have to decide. They used to have a rule in their minds that you couldn't go uh, sign a big free agent contract with a pitcher over 30 or whatever they had. They uh, rescinded that with Chris Hale, and that's worked out really well. <laughs> and I, anyway. think, I wonder if that's where Jed Hoyer gets his thing, Chris, that he doesn't like go over five years. I wonder if he kind of got that when he was there. I don't know, but it's it's just you 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 won't keep your players if you do yeah. that. You know, he's, clear, he's clearly I mean clearly he's running it the same way the Red Sox do and in, yeah. in some ways. And Farhan Zaidi is the same way with Giants. He does not want to give any long-term deals. He was uh, he was basically uh, forced into making that offer to Aaron Judge because that the ownership wanted him. But Farhan Zaidi doesn't want to do any any long-term deals with the Giants. Either. Well, you know, I know you said that, Robert, but the thing is, the, uh, the owner is the ultimate responsible human being here. That their money. If you you know, I can have somebody go buy me something, and you know, or they go to the sub shop and say, you know, I want peppers and onions, and oh, you you, you shouldn't take the onions. That's no, I want peppers and onions on that. You know, you're the person making the purchase. So if you have somebody that is, I think owners use this as a shield. And this is what's often said here about the Red Sox. We don't know because we don't know John Henry doesn't sit down for right. any use with everybody. Exactly. Same thing could be true with the Giants. You know, oh, well, he didn't think it was a good idea. So, no, we, we trust him and everything's okay. You know, I mean, really? It, it, you know, what is, what is really going on? Are you being cheap? Are they being cheap? Are they both being cheap? You know, that's the problem. You yeah. don't really know. Yeah. And uh, that's a full, uh, for Xander, that's a full uh, no trade, no opt-outs, all that. Yeah, that's stuff. correct. And then uh, Jason Hayward signed a minor league deal with the Dodgers, so we'll see if he can bounce With an back. invite to spring training. Right. Yep. And uh, Brandon Nemo is staying with the Mets, 8 for 162, it looks like here. Yep. No that's opt-outs correct. there either. Don't right. And then we go to page two, as Paul Harvey would say, and we have, because we were still busy, you know, even though the meetings were over, they, there was still a lot going on. The Red Sox signed uh, Masataka Yoshida, 
five years for $90 million. Now, people think with his uh, experience, whatever, they may have overpaid. Uh, this is, you know, one of those things. That, yeah, and they had, did have to pay their club, which is the, the Buffalo. The, the, you know, who are they? The Yorks? Buffalo. That's who they are. But he's known you know, as a leadoff thing, hitter. One thing you're going to have there, Chris, and if he, if he goes kind of the same way that uh, Suzuki, that the Cubs got last year, goes, he'll probably start off uh, like a house of fire, Suzuki did. And then, you know, once the pitchers figure him out, then he'll right. have to adjust. Well, he's supposedly very good at, at walks. He's, he can, uh, they think he could hit 20 home runs or so. He, he's, he gets his bat on the ball. He, he one of the least people to strike out. And this is going to be the priority in the new baseball. You know, all these people are going to have to reorient themselves because the important thing is going to put the ball, be put the ball in play. You will get hit if you do because the shift isn't going to be in, in operation. So this is the kind of play you want, whether he can actually do it and whether they overpaid is, you know, overpaid, I don't care about. You know, I want him to just do it and, and be a productive player, you know, because it's not indirectly it's my money, I suppose, but not really, you know. Uh, and uh, so, Robert, here we go. Rob Manfred said that by basically the end of the 23 uh, year calendar year or early 24 the a's have to have a deal in place with either uh las vegas or oakland in order to uh they're going to be back in the revenue sharing i guess either way but they in order to uh really function as a baseball team they need to have a deal by that time no chris uh, they will not back in revenue sharing if they don't have a ball oh okay then oh it's so it's on them to get a deal with one or the other they they, they uh they he told both cities you have to get a deal in place and he told the, the A's, you have to get a deal in place or there's no revenue insurance for you starting 2024. Okay. All right. So, yeah. so, uh, so that was John Fisher's punishment for pocketing the money. So, right. that, you know, uh, they, they should, you know, when somebody does something like that, they just throw them out. It's ridiculous. You well, know? Yep. I, I've been advocating all along. Uh, Joe Lakoff, who owns the Warriors, has He's offered Fisher money every year to buy the A's. Fisher turning it down. So, and apparently uh, now he's one of he's one of them in to offer on the Angels. That that is correct. He said uh, he couldn't buy the A's. He's going to buy the Angels, and he tried to buy them before. And of course, Artie Moreno got him back then. So, yep. okay, David Robertson uh, uh, signed with the Mets. A uh, year for uh, ten million, and, and he's he came, and he came from the Phillies. He came from the Phillies. So he's been on the Cubs and Yankees before. Most of kind of yep. remember him with the Yankees. Been very yep. effective there. Cody Senga, uh, five years Kodai, for Kodai Senga. Kodai, Kodai. Kodai Senga, five years for seventy-five million with the Mets, and he's the ghost pitcher. The guy's That's got true. the ghost ball. Yeah. And uh, so, so apparently the uh, Mets have a really high payroll, even even with losing Degrom and this and that. They've got three hundred fifty million at this point that they've already put in. Correct, and and by the time you figure in all the luxury taxes and all, it's it's about four fifty. Wow. Yeah. And they're and saying Cody... they may, and they're saying they may not be done. That's correct. I was just going to say. Yep. Yeah. Uh, San Francisco signed uh, Sean Manaya two years for uh, $25 million, and uh, that was from Oakland. And that, uh, uh, well, no, he pitched in San Diego. Oh, last San Diego. Year. That's right. Oakland first, then San Diego, right? And he has an opt-out after year one. Right. Yeah. And he's uh, thought of as kind of a fourth or fifth starter. That is correct. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so then we tried a bunch of catching. Did you, did you get going. the uh, Did you get the one today, Chris? The Ross Stripling to the Giants, and that's yes. the same deal, exactly same the same. Deal. Two for twenty-five and an opt-out. Yeah. Yep. Okay. And uh, you know, and I guess uh, again, we've already talked about Farhan Zaid, so we won't need to talk yeah. about that. Right. And then Oakland traded uh, Sean Murphy, and this was all year last year. We heard about Sean Murphy, Sean Murphy, Sean Murphy. Why is he still with the A's? So he could go to Atlanta uh, this year, and, and so Atlanta got him. So they sent uh, William William Contreras, uh, Wilson's brother, to Milwaukee, and then uh, Manny Pena back to the A's. 
So correct. all the and catchers then, moved. And there were some other minor leaguers in there, and too. He, he's got a bunch of prospects, you know, like they normally do. It's, it's a typical John Fisher, David Forrest, Billy Bean kind of move. And right. they might, if you believe what you hear, if somebody in the minor leagues is better able to come up, they'll try to spend Manny Pena to somebody. Exactly. Yeah. And Chris Bassett, three for 63 from Toronto. Uh, and he pitched for the Mets last year. Uh, yeah, that's, that's right. And Minnesota, three-year deal with Christian Vasquez uh, for $30 million. So the Red Sox officially have lost him. So yeah. they needed to get one of these catchers, and they need to get a catcher. They need, they need help up the middle because if they, they need a shortstop or if they move Story to short, they need a second baseman. Or if they need PK to short, they need a center fielder. They certainly yeah. need a catcher. You build a team from up the middle, they ain't got it done yet, that's for sure. Yeah. I mean, offseason's not over, mm-hmm. but I'm just saying. Yeah. It's not, not looking good. So we saved our best for last, I think, with the uh, interview with Pat Hughes and uh, Perry, why don't you talk about Pat Hughes for a minute before we uh, we go to that? And I guess are we going to be uh, saying goodbye? Maybe Sean to say goodbye then Perry. Go ahead, go ahead and Pat say Hughes. goodbye, Sean. And then Bill, when you get done playing the audio, that'll just wrap up. So go ahead, Sean, yeah. do your thing, and then I'll I'll introduce the feature. Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, folks, uh, if you want to, you know, if you like this enough or you like anything else enough on here, you want to come listen and download the podcast, legendoldies.com or Sports Lounge Live in your podcatcher or 773-572-3006, option nine, or tell your uh, smart speaker to play Sports Lounge Live from Apple Podcast. And most of us will be back next week. Robert's got to go c- uh, counsel some people in Las Vegas on how to be a Raider fan and expect <laughs> to unexpected. it. So. I, I, I actually have an appointment that I can't get out of next week. So. Well, that's, okay, we'll, well say that's what you're doing. Money. Anyway, you should make some money. We'll say that's what you're doing. Yeah. And the counseling in so, Las Vegas, there's a lot of counseling necessary yeah. in Las Vegas. That but tell us correct. about Pat Hughes there. Tell us but about Pat Hughes. Pat Hughes, Hughes, Hughes is the winner of the Fort Frick Award. He'll be the baseball broadcaster going into the Hall of Fame. This was announced last week on, I believe, Wednesday morning. Yeah. yeah. So... Uh, it was announced at 10.45, and he appeared on the 6.70, the score. It was Dan Bernstein and Layla Rahimi were the two hosts. And to start the interview, Dan Bernstein says to Pat Hughes, congratulations on being elected to the Hall of Fame. There you go, Bill. And there we go. Do I get my overtime? Here we go. Thank you, guys. All right. <laughs> It is the best honor that I could have ever hoped to have. It's it's uh, really a dream come true. It's something that has not yet sunk in, and I, I don't know if it will. I don't know if the Cubs Hall of Fame has sunk in yet. I just uh, feel how fortunate I am to work in a city like Chicago with the fan base we have, uh, to work with Ron Coomer and Zach Zaidman, to work for the Cubs, to work for Crane Kenny and Tom Ricketts and his siblings, to work for Mitch Rosen. And uh, Mitch is the program director of the SCORE, the flagship station of the Cubs radio network. I just feel so lucky, and I have a great supportive family, my wife, Trish, and my daughters, Janelle and Amber. I'm just really, I just feel so very lucky and fortunate that so many things in my life have turned out as well as they have. It's more than any one person really, frankly, deserves. Pat, I really did enjoy your reaction when you did find out that you were being inducted into the Cubs Hall of Fame earlier, and we got to watch that on TV. It was a great moment between you and Crane Kenny. Congratulations on this. Such a tremendous honor. So can you tell us how you found out earlier? Well, I um, knew that I was a candidate. I was one of the 10 finalists, and I knew that this was the day, and they notified all of us, indicating that if you are the winner, you will be called a few minutes before 11 a.m. Central Time. 
so um, I was told that it would be around 10.30, and then it got to be about 10.40, and you start to sweat, <laughs> and uh, you start to wonder, is, is this not going to be the year? And then it was right around uh, 10.45, I think, when the phone said, Jeff Idelson, Hall of Fame, and uh, Jeff is the former president. I was too lazy to change on my phone the right name. Josh Rawich is now the uh, president of the Hall, but it was Josh. And he said, uh, Pat, uh, congratulations. You are the Ford C. Frick Award winner for this year. And uh, after that, I don't really remember exactly what he said. My mind just started spinning, and uh, I thought about a lot of things. My childhood, my parents, I wish they were here to enjoy it. My older brother, John, who got me started in broadcasting, I wish he was still alive. Um, but I've already heard from my youngest brother, and uh, Mitch Rosen and Ron Coomer are right here in my living room right now. My wife Trish was with me. Uh, Crane Kenny was in the living room at the moment. So it's been a good morning, to say the least. Would it be too sort of facile to assume that your favorite call or the call of which you are most proud is the last out of the World Series championship? Or is that indeed the case? Well, it was certainly a call that um, will probably be replayed more frequently, Dan, than any others. Um, I don't think it's all that great of a call. I am pleased that it came out smoothly, and I did describe the play. It was a bouncer slowly toward Bryant. He will glove it and throw to Rizzo. So I, I feel like I was true to the radio audience, um, and I didn't get too excited. Uh, my voice was under control, so I'm, I'm pleased with that. I don't think it's anything really all that great, but... Um, it was it, a Hall of Fame call. Yeah, <laughs> that, was, that was Ron Coomer. I know. was not, not correcting me. And, <laughs> And we welcome all input from Ronnie at all times. But, uh, no, it, it was fun. And, and you know what I tell people? I tell people it was uh, the call of a lifetime, but I hope we get a chance to do it at least one more time. Maybe two or three. That would be fine with me. It does make me want to ask, though, Pat, what is a call that you've had that sticks out to you as one that you're really proud of? Well, um, I've been lucky with the Cubs. We've called uh, pennant winners, for example, the 2016 NLCS game at Wrigley where the double uh, play against the Dodgers allowed the Cubs to win the pennant. Uh, that was that was a cool moment, and um, uh, that one came out well. Uh, I w and there were a couple of other things that I was proud of that really had nothing to do with a play. It was just something that came to mind at the moment. I remember when the Cubs were playing the Cardinals in 2015 at Wrigley, and the fans are almost in tears with emotion because here the Cubs are going to beat the Cardinals at Wrigley in a playoff series. It was unbelievable. This is the year before they won the World Series. Uh, and I, I think I said something like, I wish all of you could be right here at this moment. It's an unbelievable atmosphere at Wrigley Field. So that was one that I was, you know, kind of happy about. And then in Game 7 of the World Series, before the final out, I think I said something like, Cub fans, you are going to remember where you are right now for the rest of your lives. And that was just something that occurred to me. I always try to keep the fans in mind. Uh, the game, the broadcast is never about me. It's it's about, you know, the audience and making sure they know what's going on and you deliver it to them in the quickest and clearest uh, manner possible. But um, I don't sit around and think about, you know, my calls or this one or that one. And um, I'm just pleased that I've had the opportunity to call some pretty high-profile moments. 
I think it's nice, and I want I, I'm, I'm I would want you to know how recognized it is in the conversation as I'm following on Twitter and and the baseball Twitter understands that as special as this award is to you, it's so appreciated that you didn't politic for it. That there have been many in, in legendary broadcasters who have always found a way to to have it weave its way in or the idea of it. You at no point in this did you ever engage in sort of any any kind of marketing campaign, even a quiet one, a stealth one, that you just did your job until it was recognized at this level. And it really does seem that people across baseball and, and veteran observers of baseball really know and appreciate that. Dan, that's very nice of you to say that, but that's really just uh, who I am. I, I, I just show up ready to work every day. We, we show up. I work with Ron Coomer. He does a, an unbelievable job of, of color, and he's always fully prepared, too. So I sometimes feel like I have to uh, work hard just to keep up with Coombs. Zach Zaidman is a great third man who is very much in touch with what we are saying, and he chimes in periodically and does one inning of play-by-play every day. So it, it's a fun broadcast. We laugh every day. Sometimes we we laugh probably a little bit more than we should, but my feeling is that it, it's a fun place to be. A baseball park has always been a fun place for me to be, whether it was playing in Little League, Pony League, Colt League, high school, uh, whatever, or going to Candlestick Park as a kid and watching the Giants play the Cardinals or Dodgers or Pirates or whomever or the Cubs. Uh, it's always been a fun place to be, and I still have a feeling of joy when I'm at the ballpark, and when the game starts, it is so easy to make mistakes that you really have to bear down. And the only people who think that what we do is easy would be people who have never tried to do it. That's all I would have to say. I think that's excellent advice. And I also think about how long you've spent your career since 1996 with the Cubs and the broadcast. And we talk about the memorable moments in the season that occurred in 2016, the playoff runs leading up to it. But Obviously, a lot of ups and downs with the team. You know, watching the, the agony of defeat and playoff runs previous to this, being a part of that. Do you think about that at all when you try to put your career together and, and all the moments that you've called that, at this point, more than 20 years of fans have gotten to listen? Well, Layla, I'll tell you what. I, I think as you were saying that, I was thinking about, you're right, good games, bad games, good seasons, bad seasons as well. Harry Carey, I've worked with Harry for the last two years of his life, and he gave me a great piece of advice. We had a rough year his final season, which was 1997, started off 0 and 14. So by the middle of April, you know your season is done. <clears throat> you cannot win a pennant in April, but you can sure lose one. So Harry told me, he said, Pat, we don't just sign up for the good games and the good seasons. When you're a baseball announcer, you sign up for everything. And Ron Coomer's in my uh, living room right now nodding his head. We talk about that. It's true even as a ball player. You want to be on a championship team. That's a given. Everyone wants to play in the World Series. There are 30 teams. Only two of the 30 are going to be in the Fall Classic. The other 28, in fact, the 29 will finish the season with an element of disappointment. There's only one champion and one purely happy team and broadcast team every single year. So I don't worry about the losing. I want them to win, but I'm in the passenger seat of light as a baseball announcer. You don't dictate which road you take. You hope it's an exciting journey full of ninth inning comebacks and rallies and big wins against the Cardinals in August at Wrigley. And you hope it's full of all of those things and division titles, but not every season will be, but you try to be, you hope for the best, 
prepare for the worst and try to be ready for anything. We're talking with Ford C. Frick Award winner Pat Hughes. He is going to be part of the broadcaster wing of the Baseball Hall of Fame. And it's as you talk, I'm very, I'm still mindful of the role that Wrigley Field itself plays in the emotions that for which you serve as a conduit and have served as a conduit. Your uh, current uh, White Sox counterpart and former television Cubs counterpart, Len Casper, so aptly described. Wrigley Field as an amplifier of emotions, either positively or negatively, no matter what time of year, no matter how big the crowd, wins feel bigger and losses hurt more. Do you feel that and do you feel that your call embodies and and transmits that? I would say to a degree, certainly, Dan, and that's, a, that's an insightful comment by you and Len. Um, as you were saying that, I was thinking back to a game this past year. I believe, and I could have some of the numbers wrong, it was in May or June. The Cubs are playing Atlanta, uh, a series at Wrigley. It's a Friday afternoon game. The Cubs had lost about nine games in a row. Things were bleak and not looking real good. But now the Cubs are playing Atlanta, a first-place team, and the defending world champions of a year ago. And it's an exciting game. Christopher Morell gets on base. He scores on a short sacrifice fly in the bottom of the eighth inning for the game's only run. And you would have thought the Cubs had clinched the pennant by the reaction of the audience. Again, this is a team, the Cubs, trying to snap a nine-game losing streak going nowhere. But that moment... And I don't know if the word is existential, but it was that single moment that was all that mattered. And I think, that, you know, that living in the moment uh, phrase might be a bit overused in society. But at Wrigley Field, it really does truly apply every single day. Pat Hughes, I know you have many responsibilities today and uh, all enjoyable ones. Thank you for taking so much time with us and congratulations again. Happy to do it, Dan. Thanks, Layla. You guys have a good day, okay?